are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on foxsports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Wednesday, everybody. No longer the lone soldier in the studio anymore. Got Trevor in with the studio today to take your calls. If you want to call in, 334-321-1390. That is the number to call, 334-321-1390. That'll put you through to us here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. We want to hear from you on anything going on in the sports world. Big win for Auburn basketball last night, as well as some announcements of more Auburn football players coming back to the plane so much to talk about and we want to hear from you whatever is on your mind 334-321-1390 I'm going to start off the show today with Auburn offensive lineman Austin Troxel and Nick Brahms announcing their decisions to return to the plains for just one more season taking advantage of their COVID years and I think it is important to ask the question uh, with all of these offensive linemen returning is it necessarily a good thing a lot of people had problems with the way the offensive line played today, th- this past season, and so we will address that question as well as what the depth chart looks like going into next season as Auburn is still going through and scavenging through the transfer portal to find some new additions to the offensive line. But once again, we want to hear from you, 334-321-1390. That is the number to call. Looking at the offensive line depth chart right here, and I've got starters from left to right for you, or at least what I think it looks like right now as far as the starting line looks like from left to right. You've got left tackle Austin Troxel announcing that he will be returning, and you got Nick Brahms back at center. So here we go, left to right. Left tackle Austin Troxel. I think he's the favorite more than likely to play at that left tackle spot just because of his experience. I think he did a pretty good job this year in pass protection on the left side, protecting whoever was playing quarterback this year, whoever's whoever's blind side it was. I thought he did a pretty good job of protecting at left tackle. Obviously not perfect, and run blocking was a concern at times for the entire offensive line. At left guard, we're still waiting to see if Brandon Council's going to return or if Alec Jackson's going to return. Right now, that's up in the air, but I would say at this moment, with the way things stand, left guard is up for grabs for a position battle, for a transfer, whoever it's going to be, unless one of those two players return. And if Alec Jackson returns, I still think there's going to be a position battle. If Brandon Council returns, I think he would be a shoe-in to start at left guard. But that's where we stand right now at left guard. There is a vacancy there for Auburn to fill. At center, Nick Brahms is returning. And I would imagine... He's going to end up being the starter. I don't think Auburn's going to go over his head to replace him at center with someone in the transfer portal. We haven't really seen a whole lot about Auburn looking at the transfer portal for centers, and so I think that's pretty set right there with Nick Brahms. Moving to right guard, you've got Keandre Jones. He's easily, now with Austin Troxel and Nick Brahms, he is one of those three offensive linemen easily that have the most experience. He played very well through his first two years for Auburn. I think this is a guy who set at right guard. I think his position is pretty safe. And then at right tackle, you got Killian Zaire or a potential transfer or one of the freshmen. I don't imagine that Colby Smith or Garner Langlow did enough this year maybe to, you know, 
jump over Killian Zaire, who this season appeared to be the sixth man off the bench, if you will, for the Auburn offensive line. When Austin Troxel went down, they trusted him enough to play left tackle in the bowl game. He played right tackle. So I imagine Killian Zaire has a substantial leg up on any of the guys already on the roster, but it does beg the question. Auburn is probably looking in the transfer portal right now for a transfer tackle. We've seen several of those names come up. We've seen Auburn in the portal for a transfer guard. I imagine a transfer tackle will be added to the room and Killian Zaire will be in, in the equation for for that position along with the transfer. But let's head to the phone lines now. 334-321-1390 is the number to call. And we have Dan on the line with us. Dan, how's it going today? It's going pretty good. Uh, definitely after the big victory last night. That's right. Um, as, as far as your football comments there um i think it was reported that brandon council said he was planning on returning so um and, and when you ask the question of you know is that good or bad you know i think there's a lot of times there's injuries and stuff that players are playing through i mean you know the minute that the season was over nick brahms went under the knife and got his knee scoped and all that so you don't know like how much that could have affected some of those other players and brandon council was hurt twice going into the football and he kind of played sparingly in and out of games, you know. So I think if we can get everybody back healthy and then add some more, you know, depth and pieces to it, um, I think the line could be a lot better this coming year than it was last year. And there's something to be said about guys playing their sixth year in college football. We saw a lot of teams benefit from that this year, as well as there's something to be said about chemistry on the offensive line. So it's my belief, I'm with you, Dan, it's my belief that anybody that wants to come back, let's have them back. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Appreciate the call, Dan. And, uh, yeah, yeah, appreciate it. That was Dan on the line with us. I, I agree with him. I, th- I think it's a good move for anybody that wants to come back. Like I said, it's something to be said for guys that want to return. It's something to be said for, for those guys wanting to come back because, A, that tells you good things about the culture. B, sixth-year guys – We haven't really seen that in college football until the last couple of years. That's not a common occurrence. We haven't really seen that over the last, except for the last couple of years since COVID went around and guys got extra years of eligibility. We haven't really gotten to see what type of impact that would be on college football, but you would imagine those guys are more developed in their bodies. They're more experienced. They're going to be better than your average two or three year player in college football. And so I think if anybody wants to come back, to answer the question that I posed at the start of the show about if guys want to return uh, and whether or not that's actually a good thing for Auburn, even though that the offensive line wasn't very good this year, I think it is a good thing for Auburn because experience could go a long way to helping this offensive line be even better next year. I think uh, I think Auburn fans should be pleased with anybody that wants to return. But with that being said, I do think Auburn should still be looking in the transfer portal at this point for more offensive linemen to add to the room uh, because I think competition's a good thing. And if Auburn can get some offensive linemen into the room, and depth's a good thing as well, if Auburn can get some offensive linemen onto the football team that can possibly usurp one of these starting roles, then they were obviously better than what than the guys that were set to play, right? And so I think Auburn should be looking to the transfer portal. Competition's a great thing, and it can make this offensive line better, if not from a depth standpoint. Uh, you never know when a guy's going to get hurt, and, and Dan was talking about injuries and how that's affected these guys' play, with whether it was Nick Brahms or Brandon Council or Austin Troxel who dealt with a lot of injury. I mean, you look with three of the five 
offensive lineman right here for Auburn that could potentially be coming back. We already know Austin Troxel and Nick Brahms are back. I haven't seen any announcements about Brandon Council being back. Uh, in a simple Google search, I haven't seen any reports about that yet either, but uh, it's still possible for him to come back. If Brandon Council does elect to return. Three of your five starting offensive linemen have dealt with significant injuries throughout their careers. So I'm not totally certain that, um, you know, that, that this line is going to be you know, it wasn't this way. This It wasn't healthy for the entire year this year. I'm not certain that it will be healthy for the entire year next year. And so it's good to go and get some guys that can be some depth pieces. Uh, we'll keep going through this depth chart on the offensive line and kind of addressing what it looks like with some of these recent returns. Um, I already said from left to right, I think right now you got Austin Troxel at left tackle at left guard. If Brandon Council comes back, it's his job to lose, but I would imagine right now that would be where a transfer guard might set in. That That is a position right now where there is a vacancy and Auburn can look to replace. At center, Nick Brahms, I think he's got that position pretty well set. Right guard, Keandre Jones. And then at right tackle, I think there could be a bit of a position battle. Killian Zaire potentially trying to take that spot over or a transfer or one of the younger guys like a Colby Smith or a Garner Langlow. But at this point, I think... Killian Zaire would be the front runner for that spot considering he was one of the first guys off the bench for Auburn whenever someone got hurt and I thought he played fairly well and honestly right tackle may be an easier position for him to pick up rather than left tackle where there's a whole lot more strain and there's going up against the best pass rushers that the SEC has to offer whereas right tackle is a little bit more run oriented in this offense so Killian Zaire somebody that I think could could settle in there, but you never know. There could be a transfer tackle in the mix that Auburn could look to bring in there. But Austin Troxel and Nick Brahms announcing that they will be returning to the football team for next year definitely helps bolster this offensive line from an experience standpoint and from a depth standpoint, but they should still be looking in the transfer portal, and I imagine they will be looking to bring in a transfer guard and a transfer tackle coming up in the next few weeks or, or month or so. Um, and asking the question is the same offensive line back a good thing I think it can only be better I don't think it'll be worse uh, it may be about the same but I, I think it's more likely that it will be at least a little bit better a second year in this new scheme a second year with his coaching staff a sixth year in college football for some of these guys I think it'll be better how much better marginally more than likely but um, it, it can help this offensive line bridge the gap between the years of poor recruiting on the offensive line where there's not a whole lot of depth and allow this coaching staff to get some of their younger offensive linemen through the through recruiting and through the transfer portal to allow them to have a year to develop and buy them some time with that group that'll be coming in after some of these super seniors are on the offensive line that also begs the question what does the rest of the offense look like for next season and so I've continued to break down a depth chart and keep a running roster tally of who's all coming back throughout this offensive side of the football where Auburn's looking to basically remake it and add some players that can help it be better than it was this past year. At quarterback, of course, we know where the room stands right now. T.J. Finley, Zach Calzada, D. Davis, Holden Gurner, potentially an extra transfer. That's the I think you're waiting for potentially one more transfer quarterback to come in through the doors in Auburn. It's possible. I think Auburn's pushing for Caleb Williams right now. We had Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com on with us yesterday on the show. If you missed that conversation, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. With Christian Clemente, he said that Caleb Williams, Auburn's pushing for him, but it seems like Auburn's on the outside of a battle between USC and Georgia. 
and that's where it kind of depends on where he lands because if he goes to USC, Jackson Dart's already in the transfer portal, and I don't know if Auburn's even going after Jackson Dart at this point. I don't know if there's any other dominoes to fall if he goes to USC where there's clearly a quarterback opening with Keaton Slovis and Jackson Dart no longer with the Trojan program. If he goes to Georgia, though, there are some dominoes that could fall. Where you know does JT Daniels want to does JT Daniels want to stick around? Caleb Williams is going there to potentially take his job. Will JT Daniels ever start in college football again? And of course, he's already used his one-time transfer, so he's going to have to sit out again unless he graduates. Uh, so does JT Daniels wants to stay at Georgia? And there's also some younger five stars in on that quarterback room, like a Brock Vandergriff. That's a name that comes to mind immediately. So there's some other dominoes that could fall depending on where Caleb Williams ends up signing ultimately for his next year of football he could go back to Oklahoma which with Dylan Gabriel there doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me uh so I mean there are two obvious answers right now for Caleb Williams whether it be USC or Georgia and then outside of that I don't know where Auburn may be looking in the transfer portal there are other guys that could enter after the spring that Auburn maybe wants to go after it could not be someone who could end up being a bona fide starter it could be a future death piece someone that they see as a project but regardless I think there could be one more quarterback to enter this quarterback room and I think there could be one more quarterback to leave will all of these quarterbacks be in the room after the spring will Demetrius Davis after having not a played a down this year for Auburn Will he get an opportunity? You know, he'll obviously get an opportunity in the spring to compete, but if he's still third or fourth string on the depth chart after the spring, if this coaching staff doesn't see him as a part of the plans for this scheme moving forward, how many quarterbacks this day and age stick around to find out at least? Not many. Not many. And so also you have to ask the question, if Auburn does add another transfer quarterback, that's five different guys that are going to be throwing their name into the starting quarterback job next year and that doesn't happen at a lot of places great from a competition standpoint great from a depth standpoint I've said this multiple times with Zach Calzada's transfer you may not have a top half quarterback starting in the SEC next year you may Zach Calzada or TJ Finley may develop into being a middle of the pack to top half quarterback in the league next year I'm not going to to put that out of the realm of possibility it could happen look at Stetson Bennett's career it can happen right but Odds are that they're probably not going to be, you know, top tier quarterbacks in the league. And while that may be true, you're going to have one of the best backups in the league because they both started in the SEC and they've put up some decent performances. Zach Calzada beat Alabama. There's a lot of teams in the SEC that would take a backup quarterback that had the ability to beat Alabama and beat Auburn. Auburn's going to have a really deep quarterback room. You just don't know if it's going to have a lot of top end talent. Moving on to running back right now, it's Tank Jarquez and Damari Austin. Of course, and then you get to the walk-ons after that. But the question is, will Auburn add another one at running back? And this is something that hasn't been talked about a whole bunch. And Auburn's running back room is pretty much three running backs this year, Tank, Jarquez, and Sean Shivers. But most teams do want to have that fourth running back. And that brings up the question, we haven't heard a whole lot about Trevante Citizen's recruitment at LSU. Is he is he leaning back going you know going back to his commitment with LSU? Because he, he dropped the commitment with LSU. Looked like Auburn might have had a shot to flip him. Right now, he's waiting until February to sign. Will Auburn still be in the mix for Javante Citizen? They obviously lost out on Justin Williams, who ended up committing to Tennessee. Obviously, Auburn wanted one more recruited running back. They proved that around early signing day when they were going after Justin Williams and Javante Citizen. Will they be able to get Citizen right now? There's a lot of crystal balls out there for him to go to LSU. And so if they don't land Citizen, you still have 
guys like Ingram and some of the walk-ons on the roster, but I imagine Auburn will want to go out and add another one. I wouldn't be shocked if Auburn found a transfer out there just to build out a little bit more depth in the running back room. And then to the receiver room, where there is not a whole lot coming back with Kobe Hudson's departure, and we talked about this a little bit last week, but just keeping everyone up to date. That's how we've started today's show, is keeping everyone up to date with how the depth chart looks right now for Auburn. And the receiver room is probably the thinnest room right now for Auburn at this point, especially after Kobe Hudson departed. But at the ex-receiver, Shedrick Jackson's announcement that he will be coming back, I think puts him the lead candidate to play the X this upcoming year. And then after that, you've got Xavier Capers, who's been on the X depth chart. It seems like he would be, if Shedrick Jackson hadn't come back, aside from a transfer, Xavier Capers would have been in the running to be the lead candidate at X, but he's got 13 receptions in his college career. He's got hardly any experience in actual game action. He's going to be in the running to get some more playing time this upcoming year, but I also have wondered a few times whether or not Capers is in the plans for Auburn moving forward at wide receiver, especially with how many receivers they brought in in this past year's recruiting class. Auburn is going to have nine or ten different receivers on the team this upcoming year. And then they're going to probably bring in a transfer as well, or, or two. And Capers could easily get, could easily fall down the depth chart. And after the spring, you see somebody that's still going to be here as well. We have to, with the emergence of the transfer portal, we have to ask ourselves these questions. Of course, some other players that can maybe get a spot there. Camden Brown looks like a bona fide X in the SEC. Has some Seth Williams qualities to him. Very physical wide receiver. Not great top-end speed or anything like that. And really not great, you know, not, not great uh, agility skills or, or ball carrier skills once he's actually got the football, but he, he is an ex- he's got excellent hands, excellent physicality, and able to win in one-on-one situations. And Amari Kelly as well can maybe be in the mix there. And then in the slot, I think this is one that – this is probably the receiver that I feel most confident about going into next year that's still on the roster. Javarius Johnson has a lot of experience playing in this position, and he looks like the bona fide candidate to take over in the slot unless they were to bring in a transfer or maybe they wanted Tavares Dawson. I also think in some situations you'll see Malcolm Johnson Jr. get an opportunity here uh, to attack through through the seam. We've seen that a couple times this season, uh, but I would imagine there could be a transfer in the mix there. And then at the Z, the position that Kobe Hudson was playing, this is where you'll see a transfer. This is where Auburn's going to have to replace. And Auburn's still looking for a number one wide receiver and how and, and who they bring in is going to determine what this receiver room looks like and whether or not certain guys move around in the receiving core. I think there's a lot of uh, flexibility and a lot of malleability for this football team at wide receiver for them to find different guys to play at the different spots, guys that can play inside and outside. Jay Fair is a high school recruit that could end up playing at the Z. Seems like that could be a favorite position for him. Uh, any of the others I mean right now Auburn's receiver room is the thinnest and hardest to predict at this point because we know it's not done we know it's incomplete and we know that's where they're going to go out and look for some other players in the transfer portal and then other guys that are pass catchers the tight end position I think we're going to see a lot of two tight end sets next year Auburn is really excited about their tight end room John Samuel Shanker had a record-setting year at the tight end position for Auburn Landon King is somebody that I think is going to emerge as a as a climber on the depth chart next year just because of what we saw out of him physically this year in his first season what does that look like next year going into a second full season out, out, out of a college weight room and a, and a college weight program and being in a college program from a development standpoint it makes a lot of sense that Landon King could maybe earn some roles especially as like a big slot receiver if they wanted to go that way 
Sometimes looks more like a wide receiver when you look out on the football field than he does a tight end. A Jaleel Billingsley type, if you will. Don't forget Jaleel Billingsley's in the transfer portal. I don't know if Auburn's in the mix for a tight end or anything like that, but he's definitely a pass catcher, right? Auburn's looking for pass catchers, and I think you could see a lot of two tight end sets next year just because Auburn's got a lot of pass catchers in the tight end room. Of course, Fromm and Luke Deal and then Micah Riley-Ducker, the tight end room is deep. It is deep, and I think we're going to see a lot of two tight end sets next two tight end sets next year let's take a quick break here when we come back we're going to talk about that auburn alabama basketball game last night here on the wednesday edition of the show wednesday edition of on the line on espn 106.7 and fox sports central alabama number to call 334-321-1390 we do have someone screening calls trevor with us here in the studio, give Trevor a call. 334-321-1390. No longer do you have to call during the commercial breaks. You can call us during the show now live. So call us in. 334-321-1390. Coming up at 2.30, we'll have Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer with us. That's coming up in about seven minutes. We'll talk with him about last night's Auburn-Alabama basketball game as well as the latest going on in Auburn football. So stay tuned for that coming up at 2.30 p.m. Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Going to turn our attention now to last night's basketball game. It was quite a big basketball game in case you missed it. Auburn basketball hangs on to beat Alabama 81-77 on the road to advance to 4-0 in SEC play. What were my takeaways from last night's performance? And what were your takeaways? Call in 334-321-1390. Takeaways from last night's win over Alabama. My first takeaway, Auburn is good enough to beat anyone in the country, but it still remains true. They can also beat themselves. Make no mistakes about it. Auburn is as talented as any team in the country. I don't doubt that one bit. In fact, coming up later on in the show on Hot Take Wednesday, I think this team should be ranked number one in the country on Monday if they beat Ole Miss. They have elite depth. They have the superstar talents to win a national championship. Right now, should they even be considered the front runner? for the national championship i definitely think you can make an argument for this auburn basketball team i am thrilled with last night's performance i am certainly thrilled with the victory but as i have said multiple times on the show over the last week timing is everything for this alabama basketball team and we knew that they were going to go on a run we knew they were going to start hitting some shots we knew they were going to try and get back into it we knew last night was going to be close and it was almost enough to knock off Auburn last night we have seen this all throughout the season and really over the last four games it's been magnified where Auburn has had a spurt or a run of time and basketball is a game of runs and it's normal for this to be the case for a lot of teams it's natural it's basketball Auburn's runs sometimes seem to be catastrophic though Auburn blew a 14-point lead yesterday. And when it was a 7-0 run, I was like, Bruce, maybe it's time to take a timeout. And then you blink, and it's all of a sudden a 14-0 run. I just don't like the fact, and I know a lot of people don't like the fact, that this happens on a semi-regular basis for Auburn basketball. And it makes you worry. At some point, they're going to get caught. And yes, this team is so talented. They are. They are so talented. And I'm not talking bad about Auburn at all. I'm just saying this could be a concern moving forward that this is an area where Auburn still needs to improve. I'm trying to be fair and objective here. Auburn can't do this all year long because eventually it's going to catch them. And timing could be everything for Auburn. 
Like, they could get caught in the regular season, correct these issues, and then in March, go all the way through and win the whole thing. But if they get caught in March, one time, it's over. And you saw some tweets. Wendell Green Jr. tweeted this out last night. He was happy to get the win, but he was also happy to learn while they got the win, right? So I, I hope that the team saw, oh, we blew a 14-point lead last night. We can't keep doing this because they have done it. Did it in the Florida game. Did it for a little bit in the South Carolina game. LSU got back into it. Of course, they were buried from the start, and that was going to be a little bit too difficult for them to overcome, but they did make it a little interesting at, at times. So when I look at it, I, I, I see it a team that is capable of winning a national championship and should be ranked number one on Monday. But Auburn is going to have to continue to improve to not make those mistakes right because eventually somebody is going to catch them and if they catch them at the wrong time it could mean the end of the season but this Auburn team is is really fun to watch without a doubt we're going to head back to the phone lines now 334-321-1390 Ed is on the line with us Ed we got about in a minute and a half until we got to go to break how's it going today uh, I'm doing pretty good guys and uh, I'll just take about a minute of that minute and a half I, I just want to tell you man just chill out this is the best Auburn team that has ever, ever played at Auburn. Without ever. a doubt. And the deepest. And so if one guy has a bad night, another guy's going to step up. And, and you're exactly right. When you, get to the, when you get to the tournament, anybody can lose. But this is the best team. And, you know, what my suggestion for you, and, you know, enjoy it. Don't try, don't try to knock it down. We just beat it. But we've beaten some good teams this year. Enjoy it, man. War Eagle. War Eagle to you as well, Ed. Thanks for the call. I agree with that. Everybody should be enjoying it 100%. I don't disagree with them one bit, without a doubt. I guess I'm just trying to say that I want this Auburn team to take it to the next level. I want to see this team clear clear a bar and put themselves in a position. And granted, they did get to a number one seed on Bracketology with Joe Lenardi earlier today. I just want to see this team continue to improve to a point because I know this team is the best team to have ever played in Auburn basketball history, and I would like to see them bring home the national championship. I think they're good enough to do that. I just would hate to see something like this come back to bite them in the postseason. I completely agree with that, though. Everybody should be 100% enjoying this, without a doubt. Everybody should be enjoying this. This team is special. And and I'm not trying to knock it down either. Without a doubt, I'm not trying to knock it down. Coming up later on in the show, I'm going to tell everybody why this team should be ranked number one in the country come Monday in the AP Top 25. I'm going to make that argument about why Auburn should be ranked ahead of Baylor, UCLA, and Gonzaga, the three teams ranked ahead of them right now, why Auburn should be ranked number one in the country, and why this team, wake up everybody, because if you're a little reluctant, if you are a little scared to say that this team can win the national championship, wake up. This is the year. They can do it. We'll be back with more of On the Line on the other side of this break. we got Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer coming up. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. 33 minutes through the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Noah Gardner with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Fun show so far today. We've talked a little bit about Auburn's recent 
Announcements that Austin Troxell and Nick Brahms will be returning as well as Auburn's win over Alabama last night. Still more takeaways to come on the Auburn-Alabama men's basketball game from yesterday evening to see Auburn out to a 4-0 start in SEC play. But we've got Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer with us here for the Wednesday edition of the show. Justin, how's it going today, my man? I'm all right. How are you? Doing really well. Let's start with the basketball game last night. What were some of your takeaways for this Auburn team that just went out and got a very nice victory on the road? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a really good game for Auburn in a number of areas. They had to win it with defense. This is an Alabama offense that is one of the best in the country, has been for a while under Nate Oates. And uh, they had Alabama to their lowest uh, field goal percentage of the season by a decent bet. Uh, came up with some stops. Um, you know, Alabama got a one really big run and tied the game up, but down the stretch, Auburn was the more poised and the more, um, you know, comfortable team in a road environment where a lot of Auburn fans showed up, made a lot of noise, so it wasn't quite as, you know, strong of an atmosphere as, as you might have expected on the road, but um, it was a fantastic game for Auburn, fantastic way to finish. Alan Flanagan stepping up and, and, and showing a lot of leadership and, and poise and knocking down those late free throws Dylan Carwell playing an excellent game off the bench with uh with Walker Kessler getting into foul trouble again and Jabari Smith you know spotlight on him he showed why he's probably going to be the number one pick in the in the 2022 NBA draft I mean he just went out and played an excellent game of basketball on both ends of the floor pretty much everybody that got on the floor for Auburn contributed in a meaningful way uh and uh you know Wendell Green and Katie Johnson were both excellent on offense just a really good all-around team game for Auburn. And, um, you know, winning in, Al- in Alabama is tough. Winning a, a ranked game against Alabama has been, you know, something that's never been done before at Auburn. And to do it in that fashion, I think it just shows this team's, uh, this team's for real. And, you know, they got some work to do later this week against Ole Miss, but they're going to have a real shot at, you know, making a, making a pitch to be the number one team in the country next week. Equally, last night could have been disastrous as the game was tied with about five minutes left after Auburn held a 14-point lead. What was kind of the vibe from the program after escaping with a tight win after you didn't really close it out? Well, I mean, I think they they, they, they put the they they did a really good job down the stretch. I Man, Alabama does that at home. You know, they they get hot. Uh, their offense is really really good. And Auburn's defense kind of slacked off. And so what they had to do is kind of get it around and say, all right, we got to win this thing with our defense. And they did. Alabama missed the last eight shots of the game uh, that they took. Only had two trips to the free throw line that got them anything. Uh, and they came out with the stops down the stretch. And so um, I think there was a lot in that, in that run that Alabama went on. It was like kind of a situation of like, yeah, well, we didn't do what we needed to do on defense during that stretch. But also, man, Alabama's got a ton of scores and, and they started hitting shots. So, um, it was one of those things where you get. I mean, Auburn wasn't you know, favored in this one. Uh, I don't think, or at least they didn't close or didn't open as favorite. And, and it was just like, hey, get it by any means necessary away from home. So big win for them. And um, yeah, you'll, you'll take anything, however it looks, when you when you get a win at Tuscaloosa. Should Auburn be the number one team in the country when the AP rankings come out on Monday, assuming that they win against Ole Miss this Saturday? I, you know, the, nobody has a better resume than them. Um, I know. Uh, you, you have a couple teams, you know, ahead of them right now that that haven't lost. You know, after Baylor losing, but like, you know, Auburn ha- has the best record in the quad one and quad two games of anybody in college basketball. Um, they have beaten some really good teams uh, now here to start SEC play. 
Um, it's just nobody really has a resume that can compare. And then when you think about their only loss this season, um, you know, coming against coming in, you know, double overtime, this marathon game that that Auburn played, um, you know, you you have to consider, okay, well, what does everybody else have ahead of Auburn? You know, if you want to keep them ahead of them, and honestly. The only thing you could point to that would keep a team, you know, teams like Gonzaga ahead of them would be just, okay, that's, you're just going off of preseason rankings at this point. Um, because I think the body of work Auburn has put so far, I mean, if they beat Ole Miss on the road on Saturday, um, I, this is the best team in college basketball right now. Uh, and then I think Baylor, I think Baylor has a real good argument, you know, that they might be better than Auburn. Um, just because of what they've done, but I mean Auburn. Auburn is playing the best basketball right now of anybody in college in college basketball. When you're on a 12 game winning streak, there's a lot to like with the way that you're playing. What is Auburn's biggest strength? Uh, it's their depth, man. I mean, it's 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 easy to say at this point, but like you you watch a game last night where you don't have the best defensive player on your team, and you know one of the best defensive players in all of the country out on the floor for long stretches because of foul trouble and it doesn't matter you know it doesn't it doesn't really make any sort of difference um you know i I mean there were times where kessler was on the floor and auburn did well and there were times when kessler was on on the floor and auburn wasn't doing so well but the fact that you could turn to dylan cardwell and Jalen williams and say hey put this game away for us or you know we're going to need you to to grind it out it's that depth it's that depth a guy like wendell green you know, comes off the bench and, and, and brings a ton of scoring and can be a closing guy uh, when you want to start the game well on defense, which Auburn did with Zepp Jasper. Um, you've got Devin Cambridge and Allen Flanagan, both of the three now that are, you know, both playing really good basketball. Um, so I, I, it's just their depth. I mean, not very many teams can go as deep as Auburn. And really last night in a game where they needed them to, this is really the only time all season we've seen Auburn have multiple guys play 30-plus minutes. Um, and they were just pressure, and, 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 you know, Alabama kind of ran out of gas offensively down the stretch, but Auburn's able to grind it out because they're just a better-built team for this because their depth uh, really, really goes a long way, and there's a lot of balance to it as well. Anybody can go off for them on any given night offensively, and everybody buys in on defense. Likewise, what is Auburn's biggest weakness? Yeah, I think right now, um, you know, they, they, they still have a hard time defending at a high level without fouling um this was not as much of a problem earlier in the season uh but as you got into sec play and just the way sec basketball games are being officiated uh with the about the, the amount of physicality you you see from these really really athletic teams um they've they've gotten into some foul trouble and and, and teams are getting to go to the free throw line at a high rate now you can sit and, and quarrel on it with the fact of if all those fouls were actually foul calls and if auburn's been on the on the wrong end of the stick uh, when it comes to some of those whistles, and I, I think you could make a good argument for for several of them. But the fact of the matter is, is you're giving you're giving teams too many opportunities to get to the free throw line and stay in the game. Um, so Auburn's an elite defensive team. If they can just tighten up and play better defense, or they play the same level of defense without quite as fouling as much, um, you're talking about a you're talking about a group that could have one of the best defenses, um, period, uh, in, in the country. Um, but for right now, it's just something they got to do. Alabama was able to stay in that game because of the foul trouble uh, and make and go on that run to tie it up. Um, and you know, I, it, Auburn is a much better team when the when the you know the foul counts are low. The game gets to play a little bit more free flowing, not as much stop start. 
uh, because Auburn's got some weapons uh, on offense that uh, are really good in transition and really good, um, you know, kind of when the game is played at a fast pace. Um, you can't do that if there's whistles on pretty much every possession. So Auburn's got to find a way to adjust. Of course, Ole Miss comes into the game on Saturday, a little bit of an enigma with how they've been playing in SEC play. They almost beat Tennessee in Thompson Bowling Arena. Then they beat their rival Mississippi State by 10, and then they get handed a big L by Texas A&M last night. What do you expect to see out of the Rebels on Saturday? Well, this Ole Miss team has always given Bruce Pearl teams a tough time. There's just something about the way Kermit Davis coaches uh, that gives Pearl teams a hard time. Uh, this is a defensive team. I mean, even even in their losses this year, they've done a good job of keeping scores low. Uh, they've got good size in the front court. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of matches it up. If a, if Kessler can stay on the floor when they're getting into foul trouble and kind of counter some of that, whether you know Jabari Smith can take it uh, to him. But you know they've they've got talent. They've got some guards that are fun. Deshaun Ruffin, who was once an Auburn commitment, is their you know lead point guard as a freshman this year, and he is constantly on the floor, constantly making plays for them. Uh, and it's on the road. I don't expect it to be as, as hostile of an environment as you know you you could have had last night in Tuscaloosa, but. You know, Ole Miss has just had Auburn's number, and uh, they are a team that is going to make you really, really work on defense. Um, so I think that's going to be that's it's going to be one of those games where it might have to be a little grinded out. Uh, if Auburn can execute well in the half court offense and hit some open shots, you know they could get it rolling and they could be another team that you know hands Ole Miss a decent loss. But um, this team's kind of built to hang around with the way they play defense. And uh, on their home floor, they got some they got some scorers that can uh, they can kind of catch fire as Auburn has seen in the past when Ole Miss plays them. Last question to you about the basketball team before we move to football: What is something that uh, nobody's really talking about with this team that they should be? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think one of the craziest things we've seen this year is the non-offensive play, or maybe maybe the non-scoring play or assisting play of Wendell Green Jr. And Wendell Green Jr. came into Auburn um, as this guy that a lot of people thought, okay, well, he's got a Jared Harper type of game to him. He's a, he's a little point guard who can shoot from anywhere. Uh, he's really quick. Um, he can attack. He's got good heads-up play that he can create for, one, for, for his teammates. Um, but he has been an awesome rebounder for Auburn at his size. Um, he, he, he does a good job. When Auburn's and bigs are kind of tangled up down low, you know, helping kind of clean up stuff and get defensive boards and push into transition, be aggressive in that aspect. And also statistically, when he's on the floor, Auburn's been playing some really, really good defense. Um, you know, you play that Zepp Jasper, KD Johnson lineup uh, because you want to be have your best defenders on the floor in the backcourt. But whenever Wendell's in the mix, whether it's with Zepp or whether it's with KD, Auburn doesn't have any sort of drop-off on defense. So there's a lot to love about the way Wendell Green Jr. is playing this year on offense. And he can hit from anywhere, and he has the highlight reel passes, and he's such a good offensive weapon. But I've been really, really impressed with the way he does some of the dirty work uh, for a guy his size. And without that, I mean, I don't think Auburn's in the position they're in right now. Moving to football before we let you get out of here, speaking with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer, Auburn offensive lineman Austin Troxel and Nick Brahms announced their decisions to return to the Plains for their super senior seasons. What does this offensive line look like currently for next season from a depth chart standpoint? 
Yeah, I think you would think Troxton and, and, and Brahms would come back and start next season if they're healthy. It's just see what Brandon Council does. He's he, he decides to come back for a year or not. I mean, I there were some question marks about the red shirt and all that and you know, kind of what his eligibility will look like. But um, you do have to replace a tackle in, in Broderick's ham. You do bring back a guy in Keandre Jones at right guard. Um, so I think you look at Count. I mean, there's a real chance that you only have to replace one starter. And you have Killian Zyre who has played. He's got some up-and-coming guys, um, you know, that could – really develop in the offseason and, and push for playing time. Um, and they're still going to be active in the transfer portal because they need, you know, to replace some of these guys that are gone uh, with that kind of depth. So, um, and, and, you know, competition brings out the best in everybody. But I think bringing Trox and Brahms back, I know Auburn's offensive line hasn't been great uh, on the whole um, these last few seasons, but you're talking about a situation where you don't have to hit this giant reset button up front. And, and, you know, maybe a, another year and a full offseason uh, in this system, in this scheme to kind of prepare uh, could bring out something better in Auburn's offensive line next season. It's the situation is not as dire uh, as, you know, it might have been in 2022 uh, if those guys don't come back because you will take experience and you will take numbers no matter what. And uh, I think it'll be kind of a thing of, well, best man wins uh, all across the board, especially if they bring in some transfers. Uh, but, I mean, you will not turn down guys that have been with the program for a very, very long time, especially uh, ones that, uh, that that have had some good performances in the past. Justin, we appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Tell everybody where they can find all your great content and how they can subscribe. Yeah, AuburnObserver.com, $6 a month or $60 a year gets you uh, signed up for all of our newsletters, podcasts as well. You get sent straight to your email inbox most every morning. A lot of basketball and football analysis on there, mailbags, film rooms, all that good stuff. Check it out, auburnobserver.com. Justin, I appreciate it, my man. I hope you have a good rest of your afternoon and week. Yes, sir. You too. Thank you. That was Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer with us for the Wednesday edition of the show. We're going to come back on the other side of this break and wrap up our number one. Back on On the Line on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. That'll put you through to us here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Give Trevor a call. We've got somebody screening calls again. No longer the lone soldier in the studio. Give him a call, 334-321-1390. That'll put you through to me here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Before we get out of here for hour number one, we got about five minutes left in the first hour. We'll start off hour number two with making headlines, talking about the latest going on in the sports world. Auburn's got some guys coming back on the offensive line, as well as a big basketball win last night. Alabama and Georgia have seen a handful of players enter the transfer portal on Tuesday, as well as there are no more unbeatens in college basketball. As Baylor and USC fell on Tuesday night, a lot to talk about coming up at the start of hour number two, as well as in hour number two, it'll be Hot Take Wednesday. Coming up in that second segment, I will tell you my latest hot take. And just a reminder, Hot Take Wednesday, I believe it. I'm not out here just pulling a take out just to stir up drama. This is what I actually think, and this is going to be a good one for folks out there that are fans of the basketball team. 
as well as Auburn basketball now a one seed. And Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology, where does this team stack up amongst the nation's best? I certainly think you can make the argument that this is the best team in the country, and they still have a long way to go to reach their full potential. A lot of great stuff coming up in hour number two. And if you missed any of hour number one, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Going to wrap up hour number one, talking about what happened in college basketball last night. Of course, we've already, for the last two segments, talked a little bit about number four Auburn's win over number 24 Alabama, 81 to 77. What else happened in the SEC last night? Kentucky. Number 18, Kentucky, knocked off Vanderbilt in Memorial Coliseum, 78-66. to Oscar Shibway for the Wildcats had 30 points, 13 rebounds, and one assist. When I only, and that's right, only see 13 rebounds for Oscar Shibway, I asked myself, what happened? It's not enough for the big man who's been gobbling it up this year, averaging more than 15 rebounds per game. It's just nasty. Vanderbilt, of course, the score was a lot uglier than what 78-66 to may suggest, which is still a blowout win. But Vanderbilt was down by a lot more than that. And Kentucky just kind of said, ah, it's over. And Vanderbilt got back to about 12 points. But it was more than 20 points later on in that ball game. And Kentucky eventually closes it out, 78-66. to Kentucky now 3-1 and of the SEC behind the leading pack of Auburn and Texas A&M, who are both undefeated at the top. And speaking of Texas A&M, they improved to 14 and 2 overall, 3 and 0 in the SEC. Beat Ole Miss 67 to 51. This Texas A&M team is a little hard to peg because, as many a people would say, they ain't played nobody, Paul, and they haven't. Their best wins, their best win is against Arkansas, who is 0 and 3 in conference play. And right now, anybody in the league can beat Arkansas and has beaten Arkansas. After that, who is it? Who is the best win on the Texas A&M schedule? Is it Butler back in November when they won 57-50? to 50? Is it Notre Dame? It's hovering around 500 in the ACC, if not below 500. Haven't checked up on the Fighting Irish recently. Is it Ole Miss, who's 9-5 in the SEC? They just don't have any significant wins on the schedule that catch your eye. I do think at 14-2 and two, and the fact that the, key, that, that the team keeps winning, Texas A&M probably should get inside the top 25 at some point, right? But this is not a team that has been battle tested yet this year I don't think by the best that their own conference has to offer and it's coming it's definitely coming in the next couple of weeks they play Missouri on Saturday and then next week starts a stretch of three games which is a home game against Kentucky uh, on Tuesday and then or Wednesday it's on the 19th and then they'll be on the road at Arkansas which I imagine Arkansas will I would imagine Arkansas will get their stuff together sooner or later that's going to be a tough game regardless at Fayetteville and then you've got a road game in Baton Rouge at LSU you get a little bit of a reprieve with a home game against South Carolina and then it's back to the grinder with a road game at number 22 Tennessee so Texas A&M could pick up four more losses over the next six games and then they could be out of that race at the top for for holding on for regular season SEC championship aspirations and I don't expect this team to stick around for too long but they have been the surprise team in the SEC this year if you're talking about a good surprise Texas A&M has been one of the teams that have surprised you in a pleasant way by winning whereas Arkansas has been a team that has surprised you in a negative team who would have thought that Arkansas would be last in the SEC right now at 10 and 5 overall at 0 and 3 in conference play and I think they're better than Obviously, those records suggest, but A&M is a team that right now is really hard to peg because they haven't played anybody, 
but they're playing about as well as anybody in the conference right now, aside from, of course, Auburn and LSU who have actually beaten people, but A&M is up there inside that top five teams right now in terms of play at this point where the league has kind of cannibalized itself a little bit. The other result at the SEC last night, I've got to apologize to the Tennessee Volunteers. I said 15 and a half points. Favoring the Vols last night was a little bit too much for a team that wasn't playing very well. Uh, they beat South Carolina by 20, 66 to 46 at home. Maybe I gave the Gamecocks too much credit, uh, but the Vols definitely got some things in order last night when they desperately needed to. They avoided falling from one to one and three in SEC play. They are now two and two in conference play and 11 and four overall after that 20 point win over South Carolina. That's it for hour number one of On the Line. We'll be back with hour number two, making headlines coming up. Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. That'll put you through to us on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. We want to hear from you. Call in to the show. Once again, 334-321-1390. Going to start off hour number two with Making Headlines. Making Headlines. All right, our first headline, Auburn hung on to beat Alabama last night in Coleman Coliseum to advance to 4-0 in SEC play. The Tigers sitting right now atop of the SEC standings by just a half game over the Texas A&M Aggies, who are 3-0 in conference play. I was thoroughly impressed with what I saw out of Auburn last night, with the exception of a stretch of three minutes where Alabama went on a 14-0 run, and that is okay for me to say that Auburn should stop blowing leads because eventually it might catch Auburn. But I do think this Auburn team and folks should appreciate what we're watching. People should be thrilled by what they're watching and people should be excited about the prospect of a national championship coming in college basketball to the Auburn Tigers. Auburn, you can make an argument. This team's playing the best in college basketball. This team is the best team in college basketball. Of course, if you can get past the blue blood stigma, if you could get past the history stigma on Auburn basketball versus other histories in basketball like a Gonzaga or a Baylor or a UCLA. I think those preseason rankings have a lot to do with there being walls up in front of teams like Auburn who probably are right now playing like the best team in the country. I didn't get to give all my takeaways on last night's performance for the Auburn Tigers, and uh, we're going to go through that here right now just for a few moments on making headlines I started off with Auburn's good enough to beat anyone in the country, but they could also beat themselves. I still think that's true, but let's talk about some of the good things Auburn did last night. Auburn owned the paint. The Tigers shot 56% from inside the arc while holding Alabama to just 46% on two-point shots. 
46% will put you outside the top 200 in terms of two-point percentage in college basketball. Like, you may think shooting 46% for the night. Like, if you shoot 46% in a basketball game, you're like, yeah, we did pretty good. Auburn shot 44% last night. You shoot 46%, you're like, yeah, we did pretty good. Two-point percentage, that is not the case. You shot 46% from two, you did a bad job. Auburn defended the rim really well last night against a team that was inside the top 100, was inside the top 50 in terms of two-point percentage. Auburn owned the paint last night against Alabama. 11 blocks were able to score Around the rim with efficiency, 56% is going to put you in the top 25 nationally in terms of two-point percentage. It's going to put you in the top 10 nationally in terms of two-point percentage. I was thoroughly impressed by how Auburn played in the paint last night against Alabama, especially considering Walker Kessler went down with foul trouble within like three minutes of the basketball game. The fact that Auburn did it without Walker Kessler tells you exactly how deep this team is. They also held their own in the rebounding column, was plus four in rebounding last night against a team that likes to get after it on the glass. Alabama may not be one of the best teams in cleaning their own glass and getting defensive rebounds, but in terms of getting offensive rebounds, Alabama is one of the best in the country at doing that. Auburn, I thought, did a, did a really good job last night to win in the rebounding column on the road. So definitely a lot to like about Auburn owning the paint, and that was a big part of why Auburn won. Now let's head to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Terry with us now. Terry, how's it going? Doing great, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing really well. What's up with you today? Not much. I want to ask you a question about the guys returning. Well, football and basketball, actually. Uh, first, I'll go with football. Um, with the two guys on the offensive line returning, do you look at that as a plus or a minus? I want your opinion. I look at it as a plus, and here's why. I do get that last year's total offensive line performance wasn't great, but A, competition's a good thing. They're going to still go out and get transfers. So regardless, that these guys coming back has, has nothing to do with Auburn trying to go and improve the offensive line with transfers, and competition's only a good thing. B, they're super seniors, so you would imagine they're at least going to be a little bit better than they were this past year, and that experience maybe can trickle out to some of the younger guys that they're trying to bring along that maybe aren't ready to play yet. And then lastly, I think there is something to be said for having chemistry on the offensive line, and Auburn was having to pretty much replace their entire offensive line from two years ago, um, I, I, and that may have contributed to some issues this year. I think there's something to be said for chemistry, so I like it. Uh, but I also recognize that Auburn does need a better offensive line than this. As critical as I've been of Bo Nix, he, he most importantly saved them a couple of times last year. Yes. Especially in the LSU game. So his mobility saved them, saved the offensive line. So they they got to be better, as you said, because that's not what Harson wants. And I don't understand why he doesn't want a running quarterback. I mean, somebody can move, certainly. He's got to have that. If he thinks he's going to win with a statue, and I know some nitwits can call him and bring up Tom Brady, but – Compare Auburn roster, roster to the GOAT is a little bit absurd. Don't you think? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> um, to basketball, is, is it a little concerning that Walter Kessler seems to have some foul problems in the last two games? That 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 seems like it could be a pattern. It definitely stinks, and it doesn't help Auburn, but I think SEC officiating has hurt him significantly the last two right. games. I don't think the refs have done anything good by this Auburn basketball team. Well, I think Alabama's still looking for, a, for an answer to Jabari Smith. Yes, and for or really any front court, I think. Alabama's been bullied on a consistent basis, and, and Auburn got Jawan Gary into foul trouble, so kind of an eye for an eye there. Like Early on, Kessler left, but when I saw Jawan Gary got into foul trouble last night within like the first five, six minutes, I said, whoop, there they go, because uh, they don't have a whole lot of bodies in the front court. So I, I, you know, they I were thin there. Realize, I don't think people realize how big a loss Herb Jones and John Petty were for Alabama. 
Oh, yeah. And I think they're going to realize that by the end of the year. Especially Herb so, Jones. They probably already have realized it. They probably have, and the coaches certainly have, but some of the fans will wake up at some point. Uh, I just wonder, that seems to be a growing concern that, that Kessler seems to get into foul trouble. But at the same time, um, you know, people are going to go after a seven foot one guy. That's yes. just the way the game works. If they get him out of there, it's kind of like I know this is way back in the day, but when um, Kentucky inserted a, a you know a thug to, to go after Charles Barkley because they knew he could get in his head because they knew they, uh, Kentucky couldn't beat Auburn with Charles Barkley. And I know that's way before your time. And talking so. about uh, SEC officiating right now, or really just officiating as a whole, when you've got someone like Walker Kessler with his length and and his size, and you see them block a shot sometimes instinctively in your head like subconsciously and and this is just natural we're all human beings we have you know subconscious bias and and anticipation right that they blow the that they're going to blow the whistle they think it's going to be a foul and so they blow it and these are all calls that they have to make in in split second and basketball is such a hard game to call because of how fast it is and how how tight it all is right but you you would expect somebody to not humanly be able to make some of the blocks that walker kessler does because there just aren't that many walker kesslers out there and i've seen a lot of block calls this year called fouls instead of actually what they were which was a block but one last thing here with Baylor losing last night, USC losing. Could Auburn see their stuff at number one next week? If they, they should be. Saturday? They should be one hundred percent. I think they got a better resume than everybody else in college basketball right now. Take care, guy. Have a good day. Appreciate it, Terry. That was Terry on the line with us. Yeah, hot take Wednesday is going to be a fun one. I'll answer that question. Should Auburn be number one in college basketball if they win on Saturday? Also, is this the year? Could the national championship be coming to the plains in college basketball? Um, you know, I, I just think you, you look at this Auburn basketball team and still breaking down the Auburn-Alabama game last night. I think Terry hit on a lot of great points there that a lot of Auburn fans are groaning about right now. SEC officiating, I think, has done Auburn. Uh, it, it, Auburn has definitely not been on the benefiting end, I don't think, over the last couple of games, especially in the front court. Jabari Smith has gotten into foul trouble at times, and Walker Kessler ha- uh, has been in foul trouble the last two games as well. And I, I, last night it did not feel warranted. There, there were a lot of calls last night where I was thinking – that does not make any sense. And ironically, you go back, and this was one of my takeaways from last night, you get on social media, ironically, this is the case, everybody's going to be mad at the refs. The refs will never be able to win. But ironically, Alabama fans were angry, angry last night with the officiating. They were plus six in the foul column, and that only that didn't close until late in the second half. It was a lot more drastic than that. And they were plus 10 or, or, or so in free throw attempts. So I'm kind of like, what? <laughs> Auburn was definitely on the negative end of a lot of things. And look, Auburn fouls more than most teams in college basketball. That, that's an understatement. Auburn is in a, a top percentile in terms of teams fouling in college basketball. And I'm okay with that. I thought about that last night, watching the game, seeing Auburn foul so many times. I was like, all right, what's the trade-off here if, if, Auburn, if you want Auburn to stop fouling? You, lack, you lose some of the aggressiveness. You lose some of the relentless nature that Auburn has on defense. So this is just something that comes with that. You lose some of the offensive rebounds that Auburn gets. You lose... Auburn's rebounding tenacity. You lose certain things if Auburn starts playing the game a little bit more, um, a little bit more tentative. If Auburn starts playing the game a little bit more timid, that that they're afraid to get a foul. I'm okay with it because Auburn's deep. Auburn's got 11 guys that could play and slot in, and and a lot of those guys could start on on any other SEC team, and, and really a lot of you know most of college basketball. So because Auburn is so deep. Of course, you would hate to. You don't like seeing Walker Kessler and guys get into foul trouble, and you want to play without fouling, and you don't want to give teams plus ten and free throw attempts per game. Uh, and Auburn was definitely Auburn took more two point attempts last night than Alabama did. 
Auburn took like 10 more two-point attempts last night than Alabama did. So don't tell me it was about aggressiveness. Half of Alabama's shots were from three. They had 31 three-point attempts to, 30, uh, uh, to 35 two-point attempts. Auburn shot the ball over 40 times from inside the arc. So it wasn't a lack of aggressiveness on the offensive end for Auburn to get to the charity stripe. I really do think Auburn was not on the positive end of a lot of calls last night. It didn't quite make sense from a consistency standpoint. But I'm okay with Auburn getting into foul trouble. If that's one of the negative things, because no team is perfect, no team is going to be completely uh, symmetrical and completely perfect and completely balanced, no team is going to be without issue. Uh, Even a national championship team will not be without issue. If the issue with Auburn is that they get into foul trouble, uh, at least they have the answer for it, which is a deep bench, and that any of those guys could start. They they really could. So as long as Auburn's avoiding injury this year, I I am okay with that their defense is going to be this nasty, this defense is going to be this tenacious, they're going to be an excellent rebounding team. I'm okay with that if that means they're going to foul a lot, or else you you lose those things. Moving on to another takeaway from last night in the Auburn-Alabama men's basketball game. Alabama died by the three last night. I go back to, once again, they shot half of their shots from beyond the arc. 31 of their shots were from beyond the three-point line. And the other field goal attempts, were the other 35, were from two. Um, and of course, it, you know, fouls factor into that a little bit, so it wasn't perfectly you know, 50-50 or anything like that. It probably was a few more two-point attempts, obviously, uh, that, that they had in the game. But Alabama, regardless, the point that I'm trying to make is a large percentage of their field goal attempts last night were from three. They took a lot of threes, and they only shot like 22%. They shot 23% last night, and they took 31 threes. Not a recipe for success. Now, Auburn, I, you know, I think you've got to give Auburn a lot of credit for forcing them, uh, making them comfortable at the three-point line because when you see someone that is seven feet tall going to close out on you, that might make you think twice about shooting the three. You think about the late stages where Alabama had a wide-open three in the corner and the pass took him into the corner. Maybe he wasn't comfortable taking the shot. I think it was Shackelford who hesitated and then he had decided to drive. Well, Jabari Smith was closing out and Auburn had blocks all night long out on the perimeter. Jabari Smith, Dylan Cardwell, I thought those guys held their own against guys that were a lot smaller than them. And if you notice with this Auburn team, they switch a lot. They are okay with putting a five on a one. That happened a lot last night. And that, that tells you, once again, the depths of how talented this defense is, is that literally they can play positionless basketball with Dylan Cardwell on the floor, who is a bona fide true center, a bona fide true number five, who got put onto a point guard or a shooting guard several times last night and held his own from a defensive standpoint. So I thought Auburn did a really good job of contesting threes. Of course, they weren't perfect in that area. And I think that's part of what spurred on an Alabama comeback last night um, was they started hitting some of those shots and they started getting open and Auburn was a little lazy down that three-minute stretch on defense but they revved back up that defensive intensity and that's you know a credit to this coaching staff and a credit to these players that despite the fact that they that the game even though it looked won and then it got tied back up Auburn was able to rev back up that energy and close out the ball game and ultimately win it there's a lot of things you can give credit to Auburn for last night for making Alabama extremely uncomfortable in their home in their home arena. Alabama shot worse than 35% last night in their home arena. I thought they were going to shoot better than that last night. And uh, fortunately for Auburn, um, with the way that the foul discrepancy was, it's a good thing that they did it because if they did, they win. If Alabama shoots like 2% better last night, they win because that's a couple more field goals made and then that's enough to put Alabama over the four-point deficit that they lost last night. So Auburn's defense was uh, um, that, that's where a lot of um, it's where a lot of credit can go when you're talking about Auburn being able to win this ball game 
Uh, and then lastly, my last takeaway from last night's basketball game was I said yesterday that the game for Auburn would put them in a position to earn respect or lose it. Last night was about either earning respect or losing it. If Auburn loses last night, is anybody talking about Auburn basketball today nationally? Is Aaron Torres talking about Auburn basketball being the best team in the country? Is Barstool Sports Big Cat tweeting about Auburn last night? Is anybody talking about Auburn being the number one team in the country today? Obviously, no, because they lost, right? It's like Auburn earned a lot of respect last night for beating Alabama on the road and looking good doing it. And I said yesterday, that's why I thought Auburn needed the win more because the perspective on Alabama did not change whether or not they won or lost last night. They've already beaten Gonzaga and Houston. Everybody already knows they can beat anybody in college basketball. Nobody's questioning the validity of Alabama being an NCAA tournament team this upcoming year and the potential of them being like a number six or a number five seed, maybe even better than that, if they get hot and they can turn some of their fortune around right now. Nobody is questioning the validity of this Alabama team being able to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament because of the teams they've beaten this year. They have an impressive win resume as well. But we also knew that they were capable of losing to anybody in college basketball too. So the results of last night did not change anything whatsoever about the way that we perceive Alabama. They were favored by three points going into last night's game. The perception about them did not change whatsoever, win or loss. Auburn, though, if they lose, people are like, eh, maybe they aren't as good as we thought they were. They just got inside the top five. Automatically, that's going to raise eyebrows for people. Auburn basketball in the top five? Oh, my goodness. They're not a blue blood. They don't belong there. It's took Auburn forever this year just to get inside the top ten. And then once they got inside the top ten, they were still marooned behind a wall of teams that really weren't playing that great of basketball at that point. It teams in Kansas, Duke, and Purdue, who all it took losses to unrated teams last week or teams barely inside the top 25 for Auburn to climb up over them even though Auburn had a better resume at that point once again it's all it, it, the, the rankings are based a lot on perception it, it, and and don't it, you know rankings may not matter when it comes down to the NCAA tournament but the, at the end of the day the way that the selection committee seeds teams they rank them it's a scrubbing process they rank them one to 68 that's how they do it it's still perception based it's completely arbitrary just like the college football playoff they are not putting these teams into a computer and spitting out a bracket. That is not what's happening. So at the end of the day, Auburn winning last night, I think, did a lot for the perception of the program that, oh, this team could win a national championship. Oh, this team's the real deal. And that's going to help Auburn come March on a seed line, barring disaster over the last 15 games of the regular season. Or 14 or however many. There's 14 more. 15 because they still play Oklahoma. 14 more SEC games and then 15, uh, including the Oklahoma games. So they got 15 more regular season games and then they've got the SEC tournament and then it's time for March Madness. So you break that down, it's like, look, barring disaster, Auburn's probably going to Auburn's going to lose another game this year. It's going to happen. Auburn, Auburn may lose two or three more games this year. Auburn could be a four-loss team though and still be the one seed. The difference is there's going to be Kansas, Duke, Purdue. Baylor, Gonzaga, UCLA, all those teams are going to be three or four lost teams as well. Is Auburn going to get the respect over those names to be a one seed? And uh, Trevor's raising his eye over there, and, I, and I'm with him. I don't think Auburn is, and the reality of it, and you know it too, it's because there is bias towards those programs. Auburn has to do more because of their basketball history to get respect from the people that are making the, the decisions with the bracket. They will. They absolutely will. And that's not me knocking Auburn. That's just me putting out the reality. We know this. Auburn football has had bias against them. There's a reason why they didn't play the national championship in 2004. There's a reason why they didn't win a national championship in the 1980s under Pat Dye. There has been a bias against Auburn. 
There has. Just the way that the perception is against Auburn, for some reason it prevents them from, from getting onto that level in people's minds outside of the Southeast, even inside the Southeast. It's a winning last night. But, you know, and it's crazy. Even with Alabama basketball, there, there wasn't this – there wasn't this bias against Alabama last year. Everybody absolutely adored the Alabama basketball team. They did. They were they were underdog favorites in, in, in the NCAA tournament. People absolutely adored that basketball team. Nothing prevented them from getting easily up to the two-in-one line. And they were a very good basketball team last year. They were, and they deserved their seed last year. I'm not saying that they didn't. But Auburn does have to do a little bit more than other teams that are right now circulating around them in the top 25 inside the top 10 for their seed line that they want to get to. It's a winning last night with everybody watching them. It was 8 p.m. ESPN prime time with everybody's eyes on them. Auburn needed to win yesterday to hop over onto another floor in college basketball. And now Auburn has joined the VIP club. Auburn is in the room. Auburn is out there with Baylor and Gonzaga and UCLA. And I think on Monday you might get to see them inside uh, you might get to see him as the top team of the country. You might. Something inside me still tells me that it won't happen, even though it should happen. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, it's time for Hot Take Wednesday. Hour number two of On the Line. Noah Garner with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. It was a one-headline-making-headline segment. Just going to go through some of the other ones really quickly. No more unbeatens in college basketball as Baylor and USC fall on Tuesday night. And uh, that'll be something that's going to lead me into Hot Take Wednesday in just a moment. Uh, Another headline, Alabama-Georgia saw a handful of players enter the transfer portal on Tuesday, including a few guys who have started games, namely Jalil Billingsley for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And anybody with the talents that Jaleel Billingsley has, I mean, he still had like 500 receiving yards or something like that uh, for Alabama. Even with somebody like Jaleel Billingsley in the portal, and I see how deep Auburn's tight end room is, Jaleel Billingsley is a guy that you you take, no questions. Like somebody that talented, somebody that has that diverse of a skill set and and this Auburn team doesn't really operate uh you know like this this the norm the status quo right but across two seasons at Alabama Jaleel Billingsley had over 500 yards he had six touchdowns and 35 receptions last year he had 17 catches for 256 yards and three TDs uh kind of got in the doghouse early in the year with Nick Saban didn't play a whole lot then it was Cameron Latu who took that starting job from him but he is very Landon King-esque 6'4 230 moves really well I, he's a pass catcher that could really benefit this Auburn team. I don't know if Auburn's going to go after him, but uh, he's somebody that definitely came to mind. I was like, ooh, I think you would take that guy, right? Another headline here before we wrap it up. We already talked about this a little bit. We'll break down the depth chart again later on in the show if you're joining us now here in hour number two and you missed hour number one. Go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. But also coming up next segment, we will go back to the Auburn offensive depth chart as offensive lineman Austin Troxel and Nick Brahms announced their decisions to return to the plates for one more season, continuing to support what I said a week ago about this Auburn football team, about how people need to stop panicking because the culture's not bad. Guys are coming back. More guys are coming back than leaving. I don't know what happened with Kobe Hudson. I don't know what's going on there, but we've had several different reporters about it, and that's why I'm not going to speculate about Kobe Hudson because you don't know, right? Nobody knows what happened there. But regardless, he was not a part of the plans for this coaching staff moving forward for whatever reason, all right? And then Bo Nix, nobody knows what happened there either. Of course, many people have speculated and many things have been reported about Bo Nix, but 
And you don't want to have to move on at quarterback because I do think he improved significantly and he gave Auburn the best chance to win in that room right now. Uh, but aside from those two guys and then other players trying their hand at the NFL draft, which you completely understand because most of them, if not all of them, are ready. And some of them, like Roger McCreary, is a first-round draft pick, right? So, like, the culture's not bad. Guys are coming back. They want to play for Coach Harson. Uh, and so I think it's a great thing that these offensive linemen are coming back. That's another, that's another point that I didn't make earlier on. But let's get into Hot Take Wednesday. As once again, I said, there are no more, in, undebe- there are no more unbeatens in college basketball as Baylor and USC fall on Tuesday night. Hot Take Wednesday. All right, Hot Take Wednesday, second edition of Hot Take Wednesday. Did this last week for the first time. Once again, this is a hot take that I legitimately believe. This is not me something just trying to stir the pot. Something that may be considered bold to some folks out there. And this is one of my milder takes, but I do believe Auburn should be the number one team in the AP rankings. Auburn men's basketball, that is, should be the number one team in college basketball come Monday the reason why I think this is a bold take or a hot take is because I don't foresee the voters out there giving Auburn that respect. I don't foresee the nation's voters out there putting Auburn at number one, even though I do think that they deserve it. And so let's look over the next two minutes here for Hot Take Wednesday at the resumes for the teams that Auburn's going to be competing against for that top spot. Baylor, Gonzaga, and UCLA, and we will start with the Bruins. The Bruins are a one-loss team that hasn't taken an L since November. Sounds like Auburn, but UCLA lost by 20 to a team that lost to Alabama, who Auburn just beat, and that team's Gonzaga. You also look at what UCLA's done outside of the one win over Villanova. They haven't really done anything, and Villanova has kind of trailed off a little bit too. They're outside the top 10. They took four losses recently. Auburn's resume consists of two top 25 wins, and UCLA has just the one. Auburn is 4-1 and one in Q1 games. UCLA is 2-1. and one. Auburn's done more. It's easy. That's the easy bar to clear. Now, Gonzaga, because this one's one where you're like, man, they're really good. They've got a lot of they got a lot of really good players. I test, they look really good. But honestly, I'm trying to figure out why Gonzaga's ahead of Auburn in the net rankings because Gonzaga's 5, Auburn is 6. It's only by one spot, but the Tigers have a 4-1 and one record in Q1 games, and Gonzaga's 3-2. and two. So once again, you go back to the resume, Auburn's done more. Auburn's got just as many top 25 victories. Auburn's playing really well right now, as even though Gonzaga's going into the WCC, right? I think the SEC play has to mean more for Auburn. And then lastly, Gonzaga, the final resume here. The Bears just over their first loss of the season in the AP rankings. If Auburn were to lose, they'd drop four or five spots, maybe more. If Baylor loses, why don't they drop, right? And like Auburn, they're 4-1 in Q1 games. They've probably got the closest resume to Auburn. The Big 12's deep. The Big 12's nasty. It's given the SEC a run for its money as the best conference in college basketball. But Baylor's average scoring margin through Big 12 play is plus 6 per game. Auburn's is 11.5 per game. You tell me who's playing better right now. It's Auburn. Baylor just took a loss. Auburn just had a big win on the road. I, I, I mean, you, you, right now, and, and of course, this is just a snapshot of where we're at in college basketball, but I think you've got a really convincing argument to say Auburn's done more than everyone else in college basketball. Auburn's playing as well as anybody in college basketball. They should be number one in the rankings, but will the voters have them there? Probably not, which is a travesty. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. 
About 23 minutes left in the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Noah Gardner with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. It's been a fun show so far today. If you missed any of it, go and find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Wherever you get your podcast is where you can find us. Uh, just did Hot Take Wednesday. Had Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. And to those of you out there listening on the podcast, we appreciate your listenership. Subscribe, leave a review, uh, rate the podcast. We appreciate those five stars. We thank you for listening and making us uh, one of your daily additions to your podcast rotation. Last major segment here before we go into final take for our final segment of the show. Uh, we talked a lot about Auburn basketball here so far over the last uh, really hour or so. Let's go back to Auburn football for our second hour listeners who have just now joined us, getting off work and whatnot. Auburn offensive lineman Austin Troxel and Nick Brahms announced their decisions to return to the Plains yesterday, really around 5 p.m. or so. Uh, those guys announced that they were going to be coming back. These are big additions, I think, for the offensive line for next year. Slowly but surely, you can begin to see some things come together for the offense. And everybody was talking about recruiting is going to be a big deal. I was one of those people. Recruiting is going to be a big deal for this team, not only high school seniors, but the transfer portal but what everybody failed to mention including myself I didn't say this enough also recruiting your own football team making sure you've got guys coming back because the transfer portal is always going to be um, it, it is going to seduce a lot of players it, it is going to get a lot of guys who who easily get unhappy um, and maybe are a little impatient because they're young you know guys you know young college kids um, athletes can get hot-headed right and they they think they're the, they're the best and they have the confidence and they want to play and that they're not playing and, and they don't want to be patient they don't want to develop they, they think they're ready to go coaching staff thinks something else and then all of a sudden they're in the transfer portal and they're gone and and, and you've lost depth right things change dr- dramatically as Lance would say things change dramatically um, and you you look at starters even where we have seen starters three-year four-year starters say uh, this isn't for me anymore, dog. I'm going somewhere else. Bo Nix did that. Uh, there were obviously reports of Tank Bigsby. You've got to recruit your own teams. And Auburn fans may be saying, well, these aren't the guys that I wanted them to recruit. These aren't the players that I want to see coming back. I think they are, though. I, I, I think people are being too hard on the offensive line this year because I, I would say outside of maybe four games this year, and honestly, they're the four important games. They're the four games that um, you know decide heavily decide your standing in the, in, in the SEC picture. You want the offensive line to be better against the big dogs, 100%. But I don't think you looked at, you know, there, there was a third of the games this year where I thought Auburn's offensive line played poorly. The other two-thirds of that Auburn's offensive line still continues to be, you know, sixth, seventh in the SEC. There are other offensive lines that are just as bad, if not a lot worse, than Auburn's. Uh, Auburn was a bad run-blocking offensive line this year. New scheme, new run fits. You know, uh, you know I, I, I think, obviously, the run block is going to have to be better for, for Tank, and for his NFL hopes and whatnot. But pass blocking, I thought, actually took a step forward from what we saw in 2020 and a a big step forward. And that's because this coaching staff brings a passing mentality to the offense. That is their their flavor. This is a West Coast pro-style offense. That's the direction that we're going in. And I think they did a very good job of pass protection, really, for for most of the season. Uh, Run blocking is going to have to get better. And is this this group of players the guys to do it? And I was asked earlier by Terry if I thought this was a good thing that Auburn's got majority of their offensive line coming back. The entire offensive line could be back with the exception of Broderius Ham. Um, and I would have liked to have seen Broderius Ham come back. But, you know, if Brandon Council decides to come back, 
I think this offensive line is going to be better next year. Even if Brandon Council doesn't come back, I still think it can be better. But every guy that comes back, there's something to be said for chemistry on an offensive line. There's something to be said for experience. There's something to be said for, for having super seniors, guys whose bodies are just in a completely different place. Guys that would that would be NFL-like bodies rather than you know second or third-year bodies in college football. There's something to be said about having older players on a football team. I'm not necessarily saying that these guys have to start, especially if you go into the transfer portal and you get somebody that's capable of usurping their starting position. If they're capable of doing that, then they should start. Competition's a great thing, but depth's a great thing too. And one thing that we know for sure about an Auburn offensive line over the last two years with this group is that Austin Troxel across his career, he's pretty much gotten injured every single season. Nick Brahms has just had had to go under, uh, has just had surgery he just had a postseason injury that he had to attend to right Nick Brahms has dealt with injuries Keandre Jones uh Brandon Council's been hurt in his two years at Auburn I mean you go across the board with this offensive line people have gotten hurt it just happens it's the SEC and so depth is important and start and guys with starting experiences is important so this is definitely like if if they want to come back you'll have them you'll have them I think they should still have to compete for their jobs next year I don't think the offensive line was good enough to where you should say yeah, you don't have to compete for your job. You're going to start, right? Like, I think all of these guys should very much so have to compete. The question is, is there competition with them at their spots? And so let's look at the offensive line depth chart going into next season or currently where we stand on the roster right now, the offensive line. And we'll start at left tackle with Austin Troxel. Austin Troxel is right now the front runner to start at left tackle. And I don't imagine there's going to be significant competition to take his spot. Auburn may not be in the portal right now for a left tackle. They may be in the portal for a right tackle. And Austin Troxel, I thought this year, did just fine in pass protection. There were some bad games. There were some good games. But another year for him, maybe he can stay healthy. Obviously, he's not perfect. He's not a top-tier left tackle in the SEC. It's just the reality. But once again, you welcome him back for the continuity at the position and the prospect of him improving. But I don't think he was bad this year by any means. Improvement needs to happen but I don't think it was bad this year by any means. Other candidates at left tackle, before Austin Troxel announced his return, it was thought that Killian Zaire or a transfer was going to be at left tackle. So let's say they do bring in a transfer tackle that has experience playing left tackle. Is it possible that there is some shifting around the offensive line that that person starts at left tackle and maybe Austin Troxel moves to right tackle? Or what if Austin Troxel loses the job completely and Killian Zaire ends up being right tackle. I think they are in the market. They're definitely in the market for a transfer tackle. The question is, is that tackle in the plans for them to start this year or in future years? But right now, I think Austin Troxel is the front runner at left tackle. Behind him, Killian Zaire, a transfer, Garner Langlo. Left guard, this is where the vacancy is at right now because we don't know what Brandon Council is doing just yet. Um, Brandon Council, if he comes back, I think he would be the front runner there. I think you would want him to be the player at left tackle. He's been good when he's been healthy. He's been potentially Auburn's best offensive lineman when he's been healthy. The thing is, he hasn't been healthy a whole lot. So Auburn could go transfer here. Brandon Council doesn't come back. I think this is where the transfer guard would go. Cam Stutz would be next in line from an experience standpoint. You could put Jeremiah right there, who's recently moved from nose tackle back to the offensive line. This coaching staff raves about his athleticism and his ability to play on whether the offensive or defensive lines. They just want him to play. And then also a young Tate Johnson on the offensive line as well. But regardless, there is a massive vacancy at left guard. And if Brandon Council doesn't come back, I think there's going to be a lot of competition there for that spot and a lot of rotation, not only in the spring, but also going into fall camp for who's going to end up playing left guard. At center, it's Nick Brahms. 
look, Nick Brahms was better than Jalil Irvin this past year. I don't expect Jalil Irvin to jump him on the depth chart. And then, but that doesn't mean Jalil Irvin won't start a couple of years from now after this season, going into his redshirt senior season. It doesn't mean Jalil Irvin won't start next year. But right now, I don't think Auburn's in the portal for a center. And I don't think anybody else on Auburn's roster is ready to take that spot. I don't think that's ready. And when you look at the fact that Braden Joyner just joined this class is more than likely going to play center. You look at Braden Joyner, 2023 recruit, so he's going to be on campus for the 2023 fall season. Jalil Irvin, that's the year that Jalil Irvin could be the starter, and he could be the bridge between you getting to a player that you really wanted to come in, that you have plans for, to end up playing that starting role at the center position. So you, you go down the line, you see how it maps out with Nick Brahms and Jalil Irvin these next two years kind of being the bridge to the future at that center position unless they do go transfer but I don't think they're really looking for a transfer center at the moment and then at right guard when you thought that four offensive linemen were going to be gone it was originally you know Keandre Jones was the one guy who was who had to come back everybody else had to leave Keandre Jones had to come back Keandre Jones there's a lot to like about his first two years at Auburn he has been a young player that has flourished early on flourished under Gus Malzahn I thought he played really well this season for Brian Harson. I think he's going to end up being the starting right guard. There's nobody else on the roster here that I think you're going to put above him. And once again, I go back to they're going to bring in a transfer guard. That's going to happen. And there's going to be some competition there. Brandon Council and, of course, Keandre Jones is coming back. you got Brandon Council, Keandre Jones, and a transfer fighting for those two spots at left and right guard. And I think Keandre Jones has been one of the more impressive offensive linemen especially from a run-blocking standpoint, and that's what you're looking at on the right side of the line, I, I expect Keandre Jones to end up being the starter there. He, he's heavily a front-runner for me at right guard. And then at right tackle right now, assuming once again they're going to bring in a transfer, there is going to be a competition between Killian Zaire, Colby Smith, Brendan Coffey, whoever the transfer is, Garner Langlow, all the tackles, the very, very thin cupboard of tackles on Auburn's roster there will be a competition there. And Killian Zaire is right now who I have slotted in because he has experience. This coaching staff obviously trusts him and likes him. He started at right tackle in the bowl game. When Austin Trossel went down, he played at left tackle. But once again, this coaching staff knows they need better on the offensive line, so they're going to the transfer portal. So although they trusted him this year, well, they trust him more than a transfer next year. Things change once some of these transfers end up committing to Auburn. So right now that's just the snapshot, but – what you should expect going into the spring and fall camp is competition when these transfers end up on campus. You should expect competition. Just because these players are returning does not mean this is going to be the exact same offensive line. But as it stands right now, this is the snapshot at the depth chart. A vacancy at left guard until someone announces a return or a departure, and then we got to see where the chips fall with the transfers. When the transfer portal spits out one or two offensive linemen, then we'll have uh, then we'll know where the competition's going to happen at and between who and where those guys slot in and where those guys play. It's just so hard to predict right now because the picture's incomplete. We don't have all the puzzle pieces. We have the puzzle box, but we don't have we don't have all the puzzles pieces out onto the table right yet, so we can't put it together. We need more pieces, and that's going to come, I would imagine, in the next month or so. So that was a look at the offensive line. Uh, incomplete, but there are more pieces being added to the picture now let's move on to some of the other positions in uh in the offensive outlook right now for 2022 quarterback room right now tj finley zach calzada demetrius davis holden gurner and potentially another transfer the transfer portal is not done with quarterbacks entering it 
after the spring, somebody's going to be unhappy thinking that they should have started this year or that they didn't like where they were coming out of the spring. And those guys are going to enter the portal. Or you look right now, what does Caleb Williams' commitment do with the domino effect to other players? Is Jackson Dart somebody that Auburn would want to go after out of USC? I mean, there, there are players out there in the transfer portal that Auburn could latch on to right now. They could wait. But regardless, I do think that they are keeping their eyes open for a quarterback. They're pushing for Caleb Williams right now. If that doesn't happen, then let's see what dominoes potentially fall because Caleb Williams commits to USC or Georgia. I think there are more dominoes that fall if he commits to Georgia than to USC because there's obviously a quarterback vacancy right now at USC as opposed to uh, Georgia at the moment. There are, there are quarterbacks on the Georgia roster that can play let, play next year and play better than Stetson Bennett. Brock Vandegraaff, any one of the five stars that are committed to them right now on their roster. And then you got JT Daniels. There are quarterbacks at, at Georgia right now that have more arm talent than Stetson Bennett and can play better than Stetson Bennett next season for Georgia. So there are guys that are going to be displaced if – Caleb Williams goes there and those guys are going to be looking for a home and Auburn's only three hours away from Athens there's been other guys who have left Georgia and come to Auburn and it's worked <laughs> so just saying I mean there I think someone could end up getting displaced from from Georgia like a Vandegrift or or a JT Daniels where you can be like hmm, it might make sense to go play at Auburn especially under a coaching staff that knows quarterbacks and knows how to develop quarterbacks at least that's the reputation and then if somebody else transfers to Auburn looking at the quarterback room how often is it that you see five different players competing for the starting job at any school? Auburn's going to have depth in 2022, but what does the starting quality look like? They're going to have depth, but what does the starting quality look like? And then on top of that, um, how many of these guys stink? Holden Gurner's going to be here. I think he's a part of the plans for the future for Auburn. Zach Calzada's obviously going to be here, so those two guys are going to be here. TJ Finley, he's used as one transfer, so does, does he want to go sit out somewhere? I imagine he would stay here, graduate, and grad transfer and go somewhere else. That would make sense to me, but uh, if he doesn't end up being the starter, but maybe he, he you know, maybe he's content playing playing the backup role. I don't want to speculate and say, that, you know, how these guys feel or anything like that. Maybe they want to stay here. Maybe they don't want to transfer again. Maybe Almer does have five guys vie for the starting position, and all of them are happy, regardless of where they stand on the depth chart. Maybe they want to be here. That happens. Um, but the reality is most teams don't have five quarterbacks. Most teams do not have that many and keeping all of them happy without them transferring. When has Auburn done that under Gus Malzahn? That never happened. Auburn had like three at, 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 at most, most times, right? And whenever they got to four, it was like, yep, that guy's, that guy's probably going to go when he lost out. I mean, you remember Woody Barrett? That, 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 that's an example, right? It's like some players just find themselves too far down on the depth chart where it's like, eh, this probably isn't for me anymore, right? For some reason, I'm drawing a blank. Court Sandberg. There you go. Court Sandberg's another guy. He was he was here when there was three quarterbacks in the depth chart, and then Brian Harson comes in, and there's a fourth in her, and it's like, yeah, this isn't for me anymore, right? And so I, I, I'm not sold that all five of these guys are going to be on the roster at the start of 2022. Somebody is not going to be there. Somebody is going to go and find somewhere else in college football. But I would imagine all of them will be here in the spring to compete, to at least see where, they're sta- to at least see where they stand. 
And then they, too, will also, right now, it is a tricky time in the transfer portal because you don't know what rosters are going to look like. You don't know what quarterback depth charts are going to look like. If all of these guys wait, throw their hat in the ring at Auburn, compete at Auburn for the starting job, say they don't get it, it's not the end of the world. Several of these guys are underclassmen. They can then look in the transfer portal and looking around at what happened in the spring, they're going to have a better image and a better view than they will right now if they transferred of other quarterback depth charts and where those teams stand. You are going to know what teams need quarterbacks after the spring. That is going to be blatantly obvious. And those coaching staffs are going to know they need quarterbacks too, and that's why they're going to pick them up out of the transfer portal. So you are going to have a much better image of the way that things are going to play out across college football once the spring rolls around. I expect all of these guys to be here in the spring. I just don't know how many of them are going to be here after the spring game. Running back room, Tank, Jarquez, Damari Austin. Auburn could add another high school senior out out, out at running back I think they wanted to bring in too they were recruiting Trevante Citizen and Justin Williams down the stretch it seems like they wanted Citizen more than Williams Williams goes to Tennessee over Auburn Auburn was going to take another one other than Damari Austin and that that was nothing against Damari Austin they like this guy he's been one of the biggest cheerleaders one of the biggest recruiters on social media out of this recruiting class they like him I see a lot of Tank Bigsby and Damari Austin when he watches film. I don't think he's going to be as good as Tank because, once again, that's a high bar to clear, but I think he's, a, I think he's got some Tank in him in terms of his, his frame and the way that he runs and how physical he is. He's a multifaceted running back, but I do think they want another one because most teams want four running backs. Last year, Auburn having just three scholarship guys, that was not an ideal situation. Auburn was just blessed that none of them got hurt, and I think they did get hurt. I did think they, get nick, they got nicked up throughout the year. Like, I think Tank was playing injured some. I think all of them, you know, running back's going get it, to get its bumps and bruises. You want a fourth. And so they could bring in another high school senior here. I think Citizen is leading LSU, or they could go transfer. Of course, Ingram is on the roster, the transfer from Central Michigan last year. Jordan Ingram, you could go and bring him in. Uh, you know, he, he's still here, but I, I do think they're looking for one more there. At least that was the signal of a 10, I think, from when they were looking to build out their class for uh, early signing day. Let's take a quick break here. We wrap up the show when we come back. Three minutes left on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Number to call, 334-321-1390. If you want to squeeze in here, we got about two minutes left now, actually, two and a half minutes. Talking about the Auburn depth chart as offensive lineman Austin Troxel and Nick Brahms announced their returns to the Plains. Talked a lot about that offensive line as well as some of the skill positions already with quarterback and running back. Let's talk about wide receiver now and what Auburn's got back at wide receiver. We did this last week, but this is the incomplete picture, right? Like this is probably the thinnest room now that Kobe Hudson's gone because you already needed, you needed a wide receiver or you at least really wanted a wide receiver to come in through the portal. Now you need one or two at least. Uh, and how confident are you in some of the guys coming back? Of course, Auburn lost two of its three top pass catchers out of the receiver room. Fortunately, they bring back a ton of tight ends. Uh, and all of those tight ends are threats in the passing game. And I fully expect to see a lot of two tight end sets next year. I fully expect to see Landon King in the slot more. I expect them to use a big slot a lot next year. You got Javarius Johnson back in the slot, I think. He's probably one of my guys that I'm like, all right, this guy's going to play here. And then I think Shedrick Jackson's going to play the axe. But you need a stud. You need a stud go-to wide receiver that you've got to go and find out of the transfer portal. And right now you would imagine they'll play the Z, but there could be some shifting around. Maybe they end up playing the X and Shedra Jackson just ends up being a four or fifth guy in the room. But regardless, this coaching staff loves Shedra Jackson. 
And this passing game loves Shedrick Jackson, too. He was the second-leading receiver on this team. They threw to him a lot. They obviously respect him. He's got a good work ethic. He loves Auburn. He's one of the best run blockers on the team. He's the best run-blocking receiver on the team. I've been waiting for Shedrick Jackson to pop off, and he had a he had a decent year this year. If you can clean up the drops, which Shedrick Jackson and all these receivers did from start to finish this year, if you can clean up the drops even more, continue to improve under Eric Esau, I think he could be one of the, the starting three receivers. But regardless, you still need one guy. you got to replace Kobe Hudson. And then you may want to go out and get another one just to continue to fill it out, but I do think this coaching staff really likes the seniors, the high school seniors that they brought in, the recruits. I expect those guys to play. I would not be shocked if Capers continues to have another six reception season and one of the new and one of the seniors comes in, the, one of the recruits comes in and they play a significant amount of downs and they, you know, find a way to get up there fourth on the Auburn receiving chart, right? Amongst receivers at least. I expect the tight ends to to have a heavy haul next year. Which is so nice to say, man. Not even speculating on Auburn tight ends anymore. It's just a foregone conclusion. These guys are in the passing game. That's it for another edition of On the Line. We'll be back with you tomorrow, same time, same place. You know where to find us.